Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to our second show of Best of Health by Barb Regis at Ask the PA. I am so thrilled to be here today because last month we had an amazing young man who's diabetic tell his story. This month, we're going to go over the top with somebody that I have admired for years. Uh, she is an occupational therapist. Her name is Melanie Knatzer. She is one of those people that gives, gives, gives to her community. And the story that she's going to share with us today is going to be like over the top. So I would like to welcome you, Melanie, to the studio here and say, howdy. How's it going? I haven't seen you for a long time. I know. Thank you so much for having me. This is absolutely wonderful. Oh, you're welcome. Hey, so let's start with, tell us a little bit about you. Oh, my. Um, I, as you said, I'm an occupational therapist, and that is my my job and my passion. And so I work with children, is where I specify, with children with severe physical needs. Um, on the other side of that, I am a mom of two beautiful girls, 10 and 12, that keep me uh, rather busy. And then I try to stay active in what spare time I, I pretend to have. So, Do you have any spare time? Not really, no. <laughs> but you, you make time for the things you want, I guess. So... Well, you're, and that's what's so amazing about you is uh, not only are you spending time with that, but giving to your kids, but you're also giving back to your community. You know, a lot of people, folks, when you hear the word occupational therapy, you don't even know what the heck that is. And it's interesting. I worked uh, as a musician and then I worked in the Bird Center and I worked in the physical therapy department and I met occupational therapists. And basically, they were the people that basically helped people with anything from the hands, the waist up, and the physical therapy people were the people the waist down. But there's so much more to occupational therapy. And Melanie has a really interesting job. And so what I want to do is like, let's focus into what she does as an occupational therapist. Because I think within this show, you're going to be blown away with what these people do. And I don't, a lot of times people don't even understand. No, occupational therapy is actually one of, um, I say, a a poor choice for a job title because a lot of people don't know and they think that yeah. I'm in job. I try to get people jobs is yeah, what they, exactly. a lot of times they assume. So no, it has absolutely nothing to do with that. Um, so occupational therapy, your occupation is what you do every day. So for you, you get yourself dressed every day and you go to work every day and you, for kids, they play every day and they go to school every day. And so I'm there to help you gain the function you need to do the things you're supposed to do. So whether that's getting yourself dressed and ready for school or whether that is teaching you how to hold your head up because if you can't hold your head up, you can't eat and drink and do all those things. It's whether I'm working on... um dare I say, handwriting, but it is, it's a thing that <laughs> we work, work on. You can work with me because mine's horrible. <laughs> well, you are a doctor. It kind of comes oh, with the yay. territory. <laughs> so it's really anything that is that is within your occupation, what you do. So if that's related to a job, great, but that's also related to life. So, so if you think about it, you know, she works in hospitals, uh, can work, you know, an outpatient with physical therapy after you get out of the hospital but also works in the schools. Mm -hmm. So tell me about your current occupation. So I specialize in pediatrics primarily. I do have a couple of adults, but pediatrics and my real gift is working with those kiddos that are with the really complicated bodies. So those ones that are um, CP or near drown or something where their bodies... What's CP? Cerebral palsy. Okay. So anything where their bodies just do not work for them. And you guys have, everyone has seen them, those kids that are in a wheelchair that, that can hardly move a muscle or their bodies are moving so uncontrollably that they can't um, do a lot of things. So you, they say, so you would say, 
Right. Um, so that's really my specialty. But there's a it's a big open field, which is part of why I love OT is, you know, if I ever really got old and tired and I couldn't get up and down off the ground or I couldn't lift my kids, I could go work in other settings as well. So where do you get your consultations? Do you work at a school or do you work at home or where, where do you work? So I have a couple different hats that I wear. So the hat that um, where I work is I work for a company called Advanced Therapy Solutions. And we, I like I said, I work with children. Mm-hmm. So my job, I have um, a couple different roles in that. So my first job is I have a, cl- a caseload of clients mm-hmm. that I see every week. And we have goals and we have things that we work on every single right. week. And so that's about half of my job. The other half of my job, which is equally as amazing and fun, is that we will go out and do evaluations for children and adults that can't communicate. And so that we're fortunate that Arizona helps fund that. So for anyone that can't speak or they speak and you don't understand them or any physical complication where you don't understand what people are trying to say, you'll have an evaluation come in and they will come and it can be anything from as simple as an iPad where that child hits the picture of the cookie and it says, hey, I want to eat a cookie all the way up to very high tech stuff. So for kids that can't move at all, all they have to do is look at the icon and the cameras and the device can read where their eyes are at and it'll activate that way and they can spell words and they can do all the things. So it's a very, so my job as an occupational therapist is to determine how are they going to access it. If they don't have the motor skills to point their finger, to mm-hmm. touch the cookie, to say, I want to eat a cookie, how are they going to do it? Does that mean that they have to hit a switch by turning their head or are we looking at eye gaze because that eyes are the only thing that moves or are they blind and they don't know what they're going to do? So my job as an OT is to figure out how are they going to be able to talk? Okay. So do you get your referrals? I know from healthcare providers like myself, we can refer to OT mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But where do you get most of your referrals? So most of mine come through um, DDD. So that's the Division of Developmental Disabilities through DES. So that's how we get drawn in. Okay. And yeah, and we'll come out and do that evaluation. And then basically at that time you do your evaluation, then what happens? So um, depending on... De- I mean, depending on what we recommend, Mm -hmm. um, that goes through the process of insurance funding um, through access or their private insurance, and then they get the device and then we'll come out and I'll come back out and either mount it to their wheelchair or whatever I need to do. And then they get training on how to program the device, how to get the child to use the device because they've never had to do that before and how to get them to be able to talk, basically. Isn't that amazing? It's absolutely amazing, which is part of how I got into doing what we're doing um, through Believe, though, is because I'll go in and do these evaluations for these kids with the really complicated bodies, which is beautiful because now they can talk to me and that is great, but they still can't move. They still can't play with a toy. They still can't do anything by themselves. They're dependent on everyone else to do stuff for them. And so we've met one need by now you can talk to me and tell me things, which is so great, but there's still such a big need that's not being met. So what happens is you see these kids that are in wheelchairs and they're kind of like just laying back. And I think sometimes there's an assumption that these people aren't very cognitively together and stuff like that. Can you address that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, it's inc- I, It's sad to say as a society, but it's true that when a lot of people would look at a child that can't move their head, they just assume that they aren't smart. They don't understand I can talk to everyone else around them about them, anything, because they don't understand what I'm saying. And I will tell you that more times than not, that is not the case whatsoever. These children are so smart. They just don't have a way to express it. They don't have a way to talk to you because their their mouth doesn't work or they can't formulate the words. doesn't mean they don't have something to say. So we have to be out of the box to think of how are we going to change our world 
so that they can show what they can do instead of expecting them to be able to do what I do. Yeah, when I hear about that, I also think about those people that were... It's interesting, when I worked in physical therapy, it was the deal of uh, you're permanently abled or you're partially disabled. And it was kind of like the thing about like, we take for granted our health a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, on a flip of a a coin, what can happen is, is we can actually lose that. And Mm -hmm. so you think of things that are progressive, like Lou Gehrig's disease and those kinds of things. And the first person I think of in that situation is uh, Steve Hawking. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he would be a great example because you know what? If you saw him without his communication device, which is in the technology that he does, he would look like someone that can't do anything. You would assume there's no light on up there, that there's nothing there. But through the use of technology and that he can spell and he can do all these things by twitching a muscle, like how crazy amazing is that? And so he's able to to break that stereotype, that assumption that just because my body doesn't work doesn't mean my brain's not working. And he's able to break that. And that's what I'm trying to do for all these other kids because they all have something to say. They all have passions. They all want to move. They all want to do things and be kids. We just have to figure out how is their body going to allow them to do that. That's amazing. And you think about it, each day, you know, you you assess a new child Mm -hmm. and they all have different stories, something like Steve's or something like they're in a drowning or they were in some sort of uh, catastrophic event Mm -hmm. and overnight it's changed. And and I think what's really uh, uh, tough is the fact that, you know, they so much inside to remember all the things that they could do and now they can't. Mm -hmm. And then someone like you comes in and says, hey, I get it. And so what we're going to do together is we're going to figure out how you communicate and we're going to help you come up with a plan to do so with whatever devices go. Mm -hmm. And so then what happens is this wonderful person is doing this kind of stuff and she realizes that's the need. Now, what other groups do you work with when you assess these kids beside yourself? Like, does psychology get involved? Like, who else gets involved in these things? And how do you integrate that work? Mm, Not a whole lot, unfortunately. You want your team of therapists on board, for sure. So when we go in to do the communication evaluations, it's usually done with a speech therapist, either OT or PT. Um, And so we'll come in and, and do that. And then, um, and then unfortunately, that's kind of where it ends. And you hope that their team of therapists can, can take that technology and run with it. Is, do you feel like there's a disconnect? Is there things that we could be doing better integratively? Always. So give me an example. Well, I feel like um, I, I love that they've, um, the state has changed it. So now that we're, we're mandated that we have to do training. So if you get a device, we have to do 12 hours right of training. On. We're required to. We've been doing that for a long time anyway, but now it's a requirement that anyone does it. So you're not just going to get an iPad on your on your thing and just expect little Johnny that's going to start talking to you. He, you know, when you learn... And in the past, it was that way. Unfortunately, it How was. How many years yeah. ago did that change? Uh, it's been about two years now. Only two years. I know. So before that, um, you could still get the evaluation, but training was not mandated in any way. And so unfortunately, you get all these, even therapists with great intentions, but they don't know like how to model, okay, well, when I talk to you, I talk to you with my mouse, but I want you to talk to me with this computer. And how am I going to show you how to do that? Because right now, you don't know what to do. So um, that training not only teaches them how to like program it and put in pictures and things that are meaningful to that person, but also how to get little Johnny interested in touching these icons and how to get him interested in talking because sometimes I just don't want to work that hard to talk to you. 
I guess that's why I was wondering about psychology, because sometimes if they're really depressed about it, how do we help the <laughs> child or, you know, get more excited about what they're doing? So, so I'm going to stop you because here's why I work with kids. And this is my own little selfish desire. Go. So kids, I like it. I love I kids too. So here's the thing. I love working with them. Kids don't know any different. So if you and I went and were in a car accident or had a stroke or something, when we lost our ability, we would be devastated. And that would be so hard for us. And we'd have to completely reframe our lives. But kids, this is how they are. This is how life has been. And they, I, so you don't have the quite the same social emotional um, disconnect that you would do if you and I were to. So it, their kids are kids. They want to be happy and they want to play and do things. And so right. if you give them an avenue to do that, they're amazing kids. So then what happened was one day, and I don't know how many years ago, you decided to create a charity. I did. Called Believe Beyond Ability. I did. Tell me about how that evolved. Tell me the story. Okay. So um, Believe Beyond Ability is a nonprofit and it's owned by myself and a speech therapist by the name of Brenda Del Monte. And then we have two other moms, Christy Rower and Robin Gilman, that are on our board as well. And that they add that, um, the parental piece to this Mm -hmm. so we can make decisions and have a whole picture, right? But how that got started was that speech therapist, Brenda. Brenda and I were working with a kiddo. Contrary to what I just said, he was a child that was typical until uh, 23 months and then fell in a pool and near drowned. And so he came out very, very physically involved, very physically Mm -hmm. involved. Um, But you knew that he was in there. Mm -hmm. I could tell when you look in his eyes, I knew he was in there, but completely locked in that body. And it took me about a year of working with him where I could get him to to slightly relift his wrist. One hand lift his wrist and that's about all we had. But that was enough. That's all we need. And so Brenda was able to run with that once we got some movement Mm -hmm. and she was able to use that for communication. So that was yes. And so then we had him, he would hit a switch with that. And so the first time when we went to do that communication evaluation for him, it was so sweet. So what we did is we put him on this iPad and it would scan through the choices of what he wanted. And um, we weren't sure he could see it. So it would say like, I want to play with bubbles and he would hear it. And it would say, I want to eat a cookie, whatever. I want kisses from mom. And there was like four choices. And so we tried him on it and he listened to all of them. And then he ran through it and listened to it again. And it went to, I want kisses from mom. And he hit the switch. Oh, wow. And we're like, oh, that's so sweet. Mom, come give him kisses. Oh, so sweet, right? But that was just chance. That didn't really happen, right? So let's do it again. And he scanned and he heard all of them. I want kisses from mom. Bam, he hit that switch. And we're like, wait a minute. No, no, this isn't happening. Like he's just hitting it because it takes him that long to move his wrist. Let's move all the things around, okay? So we changed it. So it went, you know, play with bubbles, kisses from mom. Bam, he hit it again. It wasn't random. It was not random in any way. And so he is an amazing boy. And he took that and he was able to talk to us and he was able to prove to the world that he was in there and he had thoughts and he had feelings and he was able to express it. He was able to do math problems on that. He was able to do so, so, so much. I hate to say that unfortunately he got a very bad infection, so he's no longer with us. But it was his story. It was that we believed in him. And that's why we started Believe Beyond Ability because you have to believe that beyond his ability, beyond that he can only lift his wrist, that he had purpose and he had things to say and he had a contribution to this world. So that's what kind of inspired us to say, you know what, this is bigger than just Santana. Santana was amazing and he was our launching point, but this is bigger. And so in Santana's honor, we decided so to So how many it. years ago was, uh, did you guys start the... So we are on year four. Really? Oh my goodness. Actually, it might be year five. 
Wow. <laughs> we get to that point where we're like, ah, I know. four or five, you know, sometimes we're, we're really, sure we after really you get past 30, do you start counting anymore? Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So you got Santana. So <laughs> let's break it down to, tell me a couple other kids' stories. So we have, oh my gosh, so many stories who to pick. So we have um, this little girl, the more recently that um, Brenda and I had the honor of going out to evaluate for a communication device because that's, okay. that's our job. That's what we did, right? So we went out and met her. And when we met her, she's literally laying on the ottoman of a, of a sofa um, and can move almost nothing in her body, right? But you know, when you just, you just know it, you just see it in their eyes and you just know mm-hmm. that she's in there. And so we tried a couple devices and we tried the one where the camera can read where she is. Um, where her eyes are at, and she nailed it. Like she started talking, and it was purposeful. And we're like, "Hey, what do you want to play with?" And she went and like said all the things, and she did it. And we're like, "Oh my gosh, you've got this!" So we kind of interceded, and we're like, "I think she can do so much more than that. Let's take that hat off. Now I want to talk to you about what believe is, and, right. and get you going in that." So here's what I do. That's crazy. So I put her in a power wheelchair for a child that can't move. Like how crazy is that? But you this know what? This story. is the coolest part is that she, every child wants to move. Like how many times have you guys talked about your typical kids and you're like, wow, if I could just have a half of his energy because they're always moving. Every day. Every day. So kids want to move. Even our special kids that don't, it doesn't mean they don't want to. It means their body's not working. So everybody wants to move. So when I put her in this power wheelchair, I discovered, you know what? It's a fraction, but she can move her head just half an inch to each direction, but that's all I needed. Okay, so how old? She is, she's actually three. Okay, so when did you put her in the chair first time? Uh, oh, that would have been like August. So okay. just a few months ago, right? Okay. So we put her in a power wheelchair and um, we have controls in the headrest. So she lays her head back on the headrest and I have, a, um, in essence, a switch to her left and to her right. So if she hits either of those switches, she can make the, the chair go. Now keep in mind, this is a child who's never crawled, never rolled, never, never known how to move before. And she drove to dad and stopped. We're like, what? I know. Like, and then again, it's one of those things like, no, that didn't really just happen. Like she just moved her these head. These are miracles. It these is. Are, these are like purely miracles that you, you just, if you can't believe it, mm-hmm. I bet you were in shock. It, it is. And you know what? And I see these every day and you would, you would kind of think that it, and it's still it's like, wow, she just did that. So, um, so I, I worked with her for a couple of weeks to, to try and refine that, that motion and um, was very happy that I got to take her down to the wheelchair clinic and she was able to pass her driving test in essence. Okay. So let's stop the driver's test. Thing. Okay. <laughs> so you've got yourself a two-year-old, three-year-old who's mm-hmm. like moving this uh, wheelchair like no other. Mm-hmm. And you're teaching her all this and she has to take a driver's test. So did she have to take a driver's test like through ADOT or something like that? Like <laughs> we're in the motor vehicle division or is it like some sort of fancy division somewhere that like just basically uh, exists that we don't know about? Tell well, me back up on that. Like how did that, how does that happen? Oh, that's, that's taken a couple of years in the works of, of happening. But um, there are a couple of places out here that do um, wheelchair evaluations and so if as a therapist, I or a doctor or whoever is like, I think little Johnny can do this. I'd like to try. They're going to send him down for a wheelchair evaluation. But here's the problem and here's the disconnect is that little Johnny has never moved before, period. And they have to then demonstrate that they can move from point A to point B and stop. They're not going to accidentally run into something. On the they're sidewalk, not going to, yeah. exactly. They're not going to fall off the sidewalk. They're not going to do any of those things. 
even though kids at two and three run into stuff and run off sidewalks. Yeah, I'm trying to vision this like two-year-old kid doing this. I mean, this is awesome. Right? So it's not like we set up cones and you have to weave in and right. out, but you do have to demonstrate some some safety skills or, or you're not qualified to get a chair at this time for right. safety purposes. And I understand that and I get it, but my thing is I want my kids to move right? They're missing out on all these opportunities because they're not moving. So if you think about little typical Tommy, that he crawls over to the kitchen cabinets and pulls out the pots and pans and he can hear what they sound like and, and see how they stack together and, and all the things that they do. He's learning because he can move right. and get there. So even though my girl, I believe, is smart as a whistle, she's not getting those opportunities because she's not moving. Right, but she comprehends. She knows what she needs to do, and Absolutely. she has the ability through her eyes. You know, different. You know, like we all have different. You know, senses to use. Mm-hmm. She's using your eyes for everything, mm-hmm. and she's very coordinated. Obviously, with the eyes to be able to stop, turn, mm-hmm. and not run over people. Isn't it crazy? It is. It's very crazy. crazy. So, so she passed her test, and she's. I'm not sure if be. I could do that. <laughs> It's harder than it looks, right? It does look harder than right? it looks. Right? So I'm so, so, so proud of that. And what okay. I love about that even more is that she's going to move, which is beautiful, right. right? Because kids need to move. And that's great, but I'm not a PT. I'm not a physical therapist. Mobility is not supposed to be my thing. But here's the secret. If I can teach her how to move her head and how to use those switches, there's technology out there, similar to Stephen Hawking's, that she can now access her communication device, right. an iPad, the smart board at school, the lights in her house, the radio stations, all the things. She can do all that through moving that head the same way she does her chair, which means I already know she can move her head. I just saw her do it. So now I can teach her how to access her world. I can open up her world by teaching her how to do that. So, and the, and the, the bonus is, is now that she can pass that test, insurance is going to pay for that chair. So love o- it. otherwise, I know it's like, you have to do so many things, get the insurance to pay for anything. All these little, like jump the hoop, jump the mm-hmm. hoop, jump the hoop. Whereas it's just a maddening. And so like from the moment that you introduced her to that wheelchair, mm-hmm. to the moment that she actually passed her test, mm-hmm. what period of time was that? For her, she did really great. And I would say it was probably, I think I saw her seven times. So for seven weeks. Seriously? Seriously. At that age? Mm -hmm. Crazy, isn't it? Crazy. I'd like to know what her IQ is. I know, exactly. So here's what else I love about that is the society's opinion of her. So if you as society saw her laying on the couch ottoman, not moving a muscle versus she can drive up to you in a power wheelchair and stop and say hi in her device. Like what? You automatically assume, wow, that girl's really smart because she just did that, right? So a society gets to see a difference and see that that girl has so much to offer versus the little one laying on the couch ottoman. Your your perception of her is going to be very different. All right. So how beautiful is that? I love it. That's why. That's what keeps me going. I love this job, and I love that I get to be a part of that. And, and you can tell your passion just is like all over the place. I know you got to stop me sometimes. Yeah. No, you're doing great. No, I love it because. What you're doing is you're taking this misconception and you're making someone have a beautiful experience here. Like I, I'm overwhelmed with hearing about this because if you think about it, oh, this kid would have been written off and she's only two years old. But mm-hmm. look at her. She's she's doing all these amazing things already. And she's only three. And what's going to happen by the time she's five? Mm-hmm. I mean, what an amazing time and experience. Oh, bravo to you. Oh, So... Is it my understanding that you have like actually a motorized wheelchair academy in Arizona <laughs> that you started? Like, like, tell me about that. 
Yes. So um, like, like I said, this has taken a couple of years in the works. So we finally got it. And we have a few wheelchairs that have been permanently loaned to us so right that we can use with a variety of controls. So whether that be someone that can um, only move a finger to someone that can move their head or someone that can use a joystick or whatever. So all these different ways to drive these chairs. And so um, so in essence, we've started our own little wheelchair training facility. Um, if insurance will pay for my services, no tea, great. And if not, then I have been known to do it several times for free I because I want these kids to surprised. be able to move. Right? Sure. I want I want to open up their world just like for that last little girl that we were talking about. I want that to happen. If that means I get a pay, if I don't get paid, so be it. That girl's life is going to change. What so, ages? So kids start walking at 12 to 15 months. Why are we not putting them in okay, chairs? Okay, so I got her example, but have mm-hmm. you actually done this with an older one? Yes, we've had other success stories. At the moment, I've, um, my, this is still fairly new. This year has been the year to take off for the wheelchair, for sure. And what I love is that we've had lots of little itty-bitties, which before would not have stood a chance to pass that driver's test, right? Right on. Um, so I love that we're getting little itty-bitties. So we've had several kids, I think we've got seven or eight now, that have gotten approved for their chair that are like two to four years old, which is beautiful. Right. Oh, man. Beautiful. Their, their experiences that they'll have in school will be great. Yeah. And what they're going to be able to show other kids and teach other kids, you know, things that we take for granted. Mm-hmm. Wow. They're an inspiration. I, I actually want to go down there right now and uh, watch you in action because like I'm like all inspired about this as well. You know so what? You, here's fun, here's what's fun about it, though. You know, I'm I'm a pretty fun therapist. Just just yeah, to I know say, you're fine. She's got horses. Say, but you know what? She's if cool I, kids. you know, sometimes what I hate about um, us as therapists, and I, I throw myself in that boat, is that well, I'll hold up, I don't know, a, a thing of Cookie Monster, and I'll hold up, you know, a door of the Explorer, and I'm like, which one do you want to play with? And I assume because they don't look at it or point at it or grab it, that oh, they don't understand, they don't get what I'm saying. You know what? Maybe they don't want to play with Cookie Monster or Dora. Right? It's boring. Get, it's boring. I'm done. I'm yeah. over that. And if they're in the chair, they drive to what they want. They circle the room and look at their options and they go to what they want. Oh, I didn't even know that you wanted to go play with checkers or whatever it was. You know, I wouldn't even have known because I didn't offer that. Right. So I love that they are independent. They get to move just like your little two-year-olds that you think, oh, I mean, they run away from something they don't want. My child should have the right to run away from Cookie Monster too if they don't want to play with it. Exactly. You can see them at the Twister right now. They're over at Toys R Us. There's like... (laughs) Oh, that's what I want, you know. That's the next wheelchair right training I want to do. <laughs> Toys R Us, here we come. Hey, you guys don't know. We just plugged you, so keep us in mind. <laughs> anyway, um, hey, I got a question for you. Um, mm-hmm. Your charity is amazing. Thank you. Tell me about some of the different things you do. Last week or a couple weeks ago, you guys actually created 50 assistive devices for kids. Yes. Can you tell me about that? So yes. So we, what we do, um, and again, this is part of where we saw the need, you know, we'd come in and you can talk to us, but you still can't play. And how do kids learn through play, right? right? And so our kids don't have the skills to be able to squeeze Elmo's hand to make him sing and dance, right? Right. So how are they going to play with that toy? So what we do is our, uh, for the nonprofit is that we sit at our kitchen table and we get out the soldering irons and we electrically rewire these toys so they can be right ran off a switch. On. It's kind of a, it's, it's a win-win and, um, to solve a couple of problems because A, our kids can't squeeze Elmo's hand, so they can't play with it. But B, there are switch toys out there, meaning that the kid can hit a button with their head and that will make it work. But the problem is 
those switches are like 70 bucks a piece. Oh, and so if you have a $30, $30 Elmo toy, and then somehow you've tried to figure out how to electrically rewire the toy that it won't burn down your house and a $70 switch, well, now it's over a $100 toy that families can't afford, right? right? So every year in December, um, we team up with the Susie Foundation, who's another um, nonprofit, and they have a boutique. And we personally give away 50 switch adapted toys and the switches so that kids can have something that they can actually play with at Christmas morning. So now tell me this isn't the most awesome charity you've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I'm believing this. I'm beyond it. And the ability that you have is amazing. So you can take those words all over the place. Now, there was another thing like when I was a kid, I actually was a soapbox derby racer, but no. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The first year, honestly, our car didn't make it down very fast. But the second year, we remodeled it. We actually made it down the hill and I got in second place to somebody who I still know today on Facebook. And I will not say her name because she would be embarrassed. Anyway, you said to me that you have in like April something about a car derby. Absolutely. For these kids. What, what on earth is this car derby about? And this is also sponsored by I Believe Beyond Ability. So yes. what's, what's the deal there? Okay. So prior to the wheelchair, um, we, I learned about this um, organization. Um, many people have probably heard of us called Go Baby Go. And they'll take those cars like the Barbie Jeeps and, and yeah, Power Wheels cars, right? Go Baby Go. Yeah. yeah. And they will rewire it just like we rewired those toys okay. so that it can be ran off a switch. So my little Johnny who can't hold his head up, if I put that little button behind his head when he keeps his head up, it makes that car go and he's able to move. So it's similar to the power wheelchair. Um, like I said, that kids need to move to right. know how to, to learn, to get those opportunities. So every April, this is um, again, in honor of Santana, we've always done it for him. Every April we have a derby. And so we adapt. Um, this year we're doing 18 of those power wheels cars. And we- 18. 18. Here's even the more beautiful. How long does it take to adapt each one of them? Oh, it takes a while. Um, so here's the real beauty of it. So um, we have partnered with Seton High School Robotics Team. Right so it's high on. school kids that are in the robotics right club. Right Seton. Uh-huh. Right. Go Seton. Go Seton. We, they have partnered with us for every year, and I love them for it. And so those students adapt, electrically rewire and adapt all of those cars. And in fact, they've even stuck with it. Like we've had some that have graduated, and they still come back to help. And so they not only adapt it so that it can be ran off a switch, so it only goes when Johnny hits that switch. And as a therapist, I know where to put that switch to make him work for it, right? But they also make it remote control via mom and dad's phone so that they're not breaking their back over there trying to steer it for them, right? Oh, so wow. how amazing is that? So those students um, adapt the cars and then they give them back to us. And then as therapists, we go in total redneck, like PVC pipe and pool <laughs> noodles and all the things because we're doing these for kids who don't sit, who don't crawl, who don't right. have the muscles to do that. Right. So they can't sit in those seats like little typical kids. So we have to customize adapt seats for them. them. Mm-hmm. So we go in and do that. And then we give away those cars every year. So our derby is beautiful because that's the day we give them away. And we called it a derby, not a race, because reality is they're all crashing into each other. Let's be real. Where do you guys hold the derby? Well, we've, we don't have our location for this year yet. I know it's going to be April 14th this year, okay. um, but we, we've had it at Seton High School, which is beautiful, but we're kind of outgrowing it now that we've gotten, because on Derby Day, you know, those 18 kids are going to get their cars, but past recipients bring their cars back because we all have a lot of fun. Um, and so it can, be, it can be a little crazy, chaotic, fun so awesome. how many kids could potentially be at this derby? Oh, I'm, I think last year we probably had 30 to 40. 
So um, I'm, my, goal, my goal would be 40 plus this year. Right on. I know. Isn't that Wait, awesome? Oh, I, I want to And go. of course, we do other things. I mean, we have a, um, a car wash that they drive through. So with all kinds of, we had a mister and bubble machine, all the things that, so they can drive through it. This year, we've learned how to do a green screen, similar to how they do on um, like the weather casting. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have the kids drive by the green screen and then we can make it look like they're driving in a NASCAR with the fans in the back. Like we've got, it's not just that they get their cars, so they get to play and we have extra cars and their siblings get to come and play with them. So because really no one cares if you're driving that car moving your head or if you can put your foot on that gas pedal. No one cares. No. So it's you're just having a real good time. You're having a good time. Right. So it's our special kids and our typical kids having a great time together. And how often does that happen? Right. So it's really, honestly, it's better than Christmas. It is my most favorite day of the year by far. It's a total win-win for everybody because these kids get to play. They get to interact. These kids who are doing the robotic work and everything mm -hmm. like that get to engage these kids. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a way to just get the word out of, what the capabilities of both groups are, actually. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. What I love about that is that, um, about the Derby, is it, like you said, it is community helping community. It is all kids here local that we give the right. cars to. It is those Seton High School kids in the East Valley that are adapting the cars. It's, um, we have some retired gentlemen, um, that, some gentlemen, multiple, that come and help us cut the PVC pipe and drill things into the, to make the seats. Like it is a community coming together to make this possible for those kids. And it's just beautiful. And then those kids get to take their cars home, which means that they get to use it more than just once. It's not just a, well, it's come forever. have fun for an afternoon. It's a, hey, I want you to move. I want you to get out and have yeah, that. It's forever. Yeah. So tell me, how do you fundraise for all this? Do you get any sleep? Not, I know no. you didn't sleep much because I know you work out all the time because you're pretty amazing, but do you get any sleep? No, not often. Okay. Uh, sleep's overrated. So, so tell me about how you're actually fundraising for this. So we've tried multiple things in the past. Um, and right now we really only do one fundraiser a year. We have a golf tournament um, in, every fall. And so we use the funds from that golf tournament to fund anything else that we do throughout the year. So what I can say, one thing I'm still passionate and proud about is that um, Believe Beyond Ability, everybody that is a part of that is a volunteer, myself included. So uh, we don't take salaries. Right. We don't get paid. There is nothing. So literally 100% of every penny that is raised goes directly into buying that equipment for those kids. So... So I'm pretty proud of that because that's what we're in this for. I'm not in it. I'm not in it to make a paycheck because I'm not getting one. No, it's just to give back to your community mm -hmm. and to just see a smile on a kid's face. There's nothing better than that. Right. To contribute. And, yeah, you like know, just that. to see that kid smile when they can realize that they made that car go or they made it. To see those happy tears when little, you know, when little Johnny said, hey, I want kisses from mom. Or when that girl drove the chair to dad and stopped. Like, to see all that, like, wow. You just did that, and that's beautiful. So, tears are, tears are a good thing, right? Sometimes, they are. like it's a it's These a sign. Tears that, of happiness, exactly. Man, you know, it, I've learned so much today about like. These kids are just so sharp. They have an opportunity to play. They have mm -hmm. an opportunity to reach out. They're not doing it with their hands. They're not doing it with their legs necessarily, but they're doing it with their eyes. They're doing it with small motor functions. Mm -hmm. And they're doing it like in a way that is just so amazing. And it, what's sad to me is sometimes I think these kids are written off. And it just brings me such joy to hear from you that you're doing something just amazing. And I think everybody out there needs to understand that we are so lucky to have our health. Mm -hmm. We are so, and we take, we take that for granted. 
And when I hear the stories about these kids, what they what they're doing with it is they're they're taking these lemons and they're making great lemonade out of these lemons. And they're mm-hmm. doing everything they can. And I look at again an example of it still is Steve Hawking. Look mm-hmm. at what he's and the, all these other kids are capable of doing the same thing. We mm-hmm. just need to give them a chance, and we need to understand, and we need to stop the judgment out there. Mm-hmm. So wow, yeah. Like I'm just I, I'm almost speechless on this whole thing because it just brings a, a tear in my eye because there's just so much more that us as a society could do to help these kids. And what you're doing in this charity is amazing. So what I really, really want us to think about is how we can get it out there about the charity. Uh, can you tell us what type of charity it is? What kind of donations? Um, it, do they do you get a tax break on it? Where Because this is 100% of your money, folks. It's not like donating to some of the bigger charities, like, you know, where a certain percentage goes to the CEO, another mm-hmm. percentage goes to this. 100% is going to these kids. Mm-hmm. So can you just tell me, what do people need to do? How do they need to reach out to you? Tell us everything that we can do to maybe get volunteers going, to get people excited about this, so that we can help you take your believe about beyond ability to the next, <laughs> sorry, to the next level. Tell us. Absolutely. We have a couple of different social medias so that would be great for you guys uh, to follow. Uh, the one that gets updated the most is on Facebook. So if you follow us, Believe Beyond Ability on Facebook, that's where we post about the golf tournaments, where we post about the derby. You can see we all the pictures from the toy drive that we just did and definitely ways to help and um, ways to support other families and to be aware. So we, we like to post a lot of positive things when our kids do pass and do great things. We share their stories on there. So definitely follow us on Facebook. Um, we do have a website as well, Believe Beyond ability.com it's pretty basic that kind of explains again what is assistive technology what are we doing and you can follow us and see our story you can read about santana who inspired us you can see all the things on there and so if you're a golfer come golf in the tournament i would say that um our our golf tournament has been great but we would always love more golfers to come Mm -hmm. out would be a great way to support us and contact us via Facebook is probably the best way because there's ways that you can donate financially if you want to if you want to give that we are a nonprofit a 501c3 so you will get um, a tax receipt for that and so so that would be one way volunteers we always need volunteers for the things we're doing if you have a special hand if you if you want to come and electrically solder these toys so I'm not doing it at my kitchen table oh my heavens that would be beautiful right so there are things that we do that if you have a skill set or something I guarantee this is about community helping community so if you have a gift or something that you would like to do that you think would benefit these kids by all means contact us because we're we're all about everyone helping each other right on mm-hmm. do you have any final thoughts you want to share with us about just your passions and everything, because you just are so eloquent. Oh, I, I so appreciate that. You know, I just appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about what I love and about these kids and about their amazingness. And I just want the world to, um, to see that they are really great, smart, kids if we as society can think out of the box and not expect them to do everything just like we do, but that doesn't mean that they can't do it. So I want people to see that they have a heart, they have a passion, they have things to say, and they have things they want to do, and they should have a right to be able to do those things as well. So we need to support them to be able to do that. Well said. I don't know about you guys, but this has been like over the top. You get to meet somebody who has a passion like Melanie. Again, believe beyond ability. Um, I'm speechless. Uh, as Ask the PA for Best of Health, this is what it's all about. It's bringing people together. It's educating. It's empowering. It's about 
people's stories. There's great things happening in healthcare. We hear all about all the negative. So if we can get one thing out of this tonight is that when you go home, hug your kid and be mm-hmm. grateful that you have a healthy child. If you don't have a healthy child, hug your kid equally and know that there's hope. Mm-hmm. I am grateful for this opportunity to chat with you today. I am so looking forward to getting out there and doing some volunteering with you. You know that you're welcome to go to Ask the PA, my uh, Facebook page, my Instagram page, post whatever you can on there. I will do the same. Phoenix Business Radio X is amazing. Um, They're helping us host people like you. And... I'm honored and grateful for this opportunity. Thank you so much for being on tonight. Guys, thank you. Thank you. I so appreciate it. And guys, thank you for the time that you took to listen to this. This, I, It means a lot to me. So thank you. Welcome. 